we get to start our new series on transformation. That video was put together by Matt. He did a great job. Can we give him a round of applause for that? That was awesome. Yep. I get to brag about him a little bit. He actually wrote that music, too, so he didn't know I was going to say that. Shh, don't tell him. Yeah, he's right here. Um, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about you? That's what I want to talk about this morning. How do you feel about you? And I don't mean the public you. I don't mean the, the you that always responds, I'm fine when somebody asks how you're doing. How did you feel this morning when you woke up this morning, the first thought you had about yourself? How did you feel about you? When no one is looking, how do you feel about you? Here's a good one. What do you say to yourself when you really mess up and no one else knows? When everybody knows, we know what the common response is. Oh, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. But what about when nobody knows? What do you say to yourself? If you're like most people, you don't feel great about yourself, if you're honest. Maybe you don't feel horrible, but you probably don't feel great. You might be able to fake it when people ask you how you are, but if you want to feel better about yourself, this message is for you. In fact, if you want to feel better about yourself, this series is for you, and I would even argue that this church is for you. Grace Chapel is growing into a place that you can bring those unsure feelings about yourself, and you can expose them among friends, and you won't feel judged. You will feel cared for. You'll, you'll feel valued. You'll feel known, and you'll feel loved. As we follow, as Grace Chapel follows God's calling into the future, he's leading us, and we can get better. We can get better at knowing, at valuing, and at loving each other. And that's our future. That's where God is calling us. If you see GC's vision statement on our website or any of our literature, it's lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not forcing lives to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not because we're such a great church, we transform lives by the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, it's witnessing the transformation of lives that God does through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have this vision and, and I'm going to confess to you guys, there are times that I actually have asked God to take the vision away from me because it is really hard to see a crystal clear vision and know that that's a distance away that we have to get to, right? Sometimes I say, Lord, can you just, can you make it a little more hazy? Can you make it a little bit more vague? Because I see it so clearly, it's like I have an addiction and I can't get it out of my system. I have this vision that Grace Chapel is a place that freely gives out the grace that it has been given. It freely gives the grace that has been afforded her. I have this vision where people come from all over, not because we have an awesome facility. I know, it is awesome, but not, that's not the reason. It's not because we have awesome worship, sorry Matt, even though it's amazing, and it's definitely not because the pastor knows what he's doing. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but full confession, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm simply trusting God every step, and I hope you guys are praying for me that I can, can keep trusting him for the next step. But my vision is that people come from all over, 
because they can be known, valued, and loved. And those things are the things that every human being on the planet wants and needs. That's my vision. And we get to spend the next series talking about it, which I'm so excited because it's in here and it's got to come out. Would you pray for me as we dig in a little deeper? Lord Jesus, I'm trembling. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm excited not because I have the skill, not because we have it all figured out, not because I'm somebody special, but because you have put something in this church. You have put a vision in this place. You have invited us to write the next chapter, chapter of this church. And Lord, that is such an honorable task. It's a scary task. And it's a task we desperately need your help on. God, I'm excited to be here. I ask that you would prepare the hearts of the people for the message that you would have them hear. We love you, Lord, and in your name, amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, today starts the series on transformation. So we're going to talk about transformation a lot. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Sorry about the repetitiveness, but it's a good word and it's something we need to think a lot about. As we talk about transformation, part of the vision that I've been given, I have seen, and I, and I cannot exaggerate this too much, I have seen the love the king has for you. I've seen it. I've seen that love. And I'm here to tell you guys, it's scary. It's a scary love. It offends the world because he's a jealous God, and he loves you with a jealous love. And I, I'm scared even to show you that because of how jealous he is. When it comes to how he feels about you, how does God feel about you? There is absolutely nothing that will deter him. He chose you. And I don't mean you like the y'all you. I mean you individually. He chose you. He handpicked you. He thinks about you every moment of the day. He longs to hear your voice. He writes songs about you. He watches over you even when you don't think he's there. He believes in you. And he can't wait. He cannot wait until you dedicate some time to spend with him. It hurts him when you hurt, and it makes him happy to see you laugh, and he cries when you cry, and he mourns when you mourn, and he hates it. He absolutely hates it when you listen to anyone else but him. And this is our God. This is who we worship. This is who we sing to and who we pray to. The only thing that angers him, the only thing that angers him is when you believe and you act like he doesn't love you. I know, you're rifling through all the passages in your head. I know. He hates it when you act like you aren't his child. He hates it when you pretend you don't know him, and he hates it when you sell yourself into bondage, even though you're a child of the king. He hates it when you act like a slave, when he paid for your freedom with his only son's blood. That's what he hates. 
He hates it because he loves you. And the truth is, God burns for you. He does. He loves you and he's proven he will do anything to get you back. And this thing, this proof, is called the transformational gospel. The transformational gospel of Jesus. The fact that God sent his son to sacrifice himself, to become sin on our behalf, to transform us, that's where we got the word, to transform us into what we were always meant to be. That's what God does with his transformational gospel. First, or 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He considered his son the very sin you commit because he loves you. So that you could be free, so that he could free you from the bondage and transform you into a new creature. This is the transformational gospel. That he loves you, not just the y'all you, but he loves you. The one sitting in that chair wondering if he will ever answer your prayers. He loves you. You on your worst day, he died for. And check this out. Your worst day maybe hasn't happened yet. You might be working on something that will produce your worst day. And if it hasn't happened yet, Remember these words. He loves you enough to die for you on your worst day. See, Jesus died for you to set you free from bondage of sin, that you might be transformed into the creation that he's always wanted you to be. This is why we get the meaning of life from the gospel transformation that God has given us. This is the gospel transformation, and his name is Jesus. And if you haven't put your faith in him, yet, there is no better day like today. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then I really want you to listen. Really listen. If you're wondering if this church thing is for you or not, if this whole faith thing, you're not really sure what this is all about. This message, this gospel, this Jesus is for you. And when you put your faith in him, you will never have to wonder what your value is. How many times a day do you consider your own value? You'll never have to wonder again. To put your trust in Jesus is as easy as falling off a bike. Anybody falling off a bike in here? It's pretty easy to do. That's how easy it is to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. To put your trust in Jesus, you have to realize you are incapable, inadequate, insufficient to produce the kind of righteousness God requires to have a relationship with him. Your righteousness status has to go through the roof. That's what you have to realize, and you have to realize you can't do it. You have to realize that you're not an expert in this life thing. And you have to trust him to change you from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's right. 
you have to speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you have to believe with your heart that he was raised from the dead, and if you do this, you will be saved, according to Romans 10, 9. And that moment that you step into glory, not only will you be welcomed by the weirdest, craziest family, but you'll be saved from yourself. You'll be saved from the sin that envelops your soul. You'll be saved from having to produce a righteousness on your own. You'll be saved from actually having to be perfect. Have you thought about that? The gospel saves you from having to be perfect. That's a stress relief right there. You'll be saved from complete and utter separation from the most holy God who desperately wants to be close to you. This is the transformational gospel. And guys, I really, really hope this sinks into us. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 60 years or you've been a Christian for six seconds. This needs to sink into our souls. The transformational gospel is the good news that Jesus gave you a way to be what he created you to be. That's what the gospel is. When you put your faith in Jesus for the first time, you become a new creature. I don't care what anybody tells you, that is irreversible. That is irreversible. You cannot go back. It cannot be undone. You can't become a caterpillar again no matter how much you act like it, no matter how much you believe it. You can rip off your wings, but you're not a caterpillar anymore. Your spiritual DNA has been changed forever. And this is the power of his love. That's who we're talking about. And it's his gospel. And as if, as if this good news wasn't good enough, God did something next. When you step into glory, when you, t when you trust Jesus for the very first time, the very next thing he does, a lot of people believe it's given you a rules. It's not rules. He gives you something. The next thing he does, he welcomes you into the family, and then he says, you know what? I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something that will always prove to you, you're my child. And that thing is the Holy Spirit. It's a way to prove our identity. The Holy Spirit has many jobs, and they're listed in Scripture, and they're amazing. But one of them is to prove to you that there's nothing you can do to turn into a caterpillar again. That's what he does. Just in case we get confused or turned around or somehow think this never happened or that was a really weird weekend, I don't know what was going on, or, or it didn't happen fully. I've heard people say that. Well, I, I kind of accepted Christ, but it really wasn't a full acceptance, right? Or it didn't happen the right way, like the stars didn't really align, and, you know, I asked to hear birds singing, and I didn't hear the birds, so it must not have really happened. In case we get turned around and think that we're not a child of God, the Holy Spirit is there to say, um, hold on a second, I'm here, and I bear witness that you're a new child, that you're a new creation, that you are now a butterfly, you are not a caterpillar. I hate to rain on caterpillars. I love caterpillars. It's one of his jobs. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says that we were marked with a seal, and that seal is the Holy Spirit. So the moment you're saved, you have a seal marked on you, and it's the Spirit. And he guarantees, it says, our inheritance in the kingdom. 
So no, you can't lose your salvation. You can't go back no matter how bad you may want to because you can get all turned around. It's almost like God knew we would have doubts. God set this thing up and he was like, listen guys, I know this is crazy. And I know there's going to be times where you're like, I can't imagine being loved the way God loves me. So I must be different than anybody else. I must be the unloved. God goes, I know you were going to feel that way. So I gave you something to always remember that you're mine. I really wish the Holy Spirit would like give us a tattoo or something. By the way, if you're going to get a tattoo on your forehead that says loved, make sure it's reversed so you can see it in the mirror. I've thought about this. I've put some planning and thought into it. You guys, you might be surprised. God knew we were going to have doubts. God knew that we were going to have to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. Now, listen to what Paul says about the power of the transformational gospel. We're going to take a look at Romans 8, 38 through 39. Romans 8. Paul's writing to a church in Rome. Put yourself in Rome. You never have heard of Jesus before. You don't know what he's talking about. And he says this to you about this God, okay? You've got no experience. It's your first time in church. Somebody stands up and reads this. This guy Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you were sitting in Rome listening to this, you would have gone, I don't care. Sign me up. Take my money. I don't care. I want that. And I think if we really boil it down, we feel the same way. This is who we were made to be. We were made to receive the love from the Almighty. Nothing can separate us. And let's just take a look at this author. So you're sitting in this church in Rome, and this guy reads this passage, this letter to some dude you've never met, and you go, well, who is this guy? Like, how do I know that I'm going to put my life on the line here in Rome. People are going to try to kill me if I commit to this. How do I know? Paul knows what he's talking about. Who's this Paul guy? Wasn't his name Saul at one point? Who changes their name anyway? Let's just take a look at the author. Now, they wouldn't have known this, but we know it. Paul... The Apostle Paul wrote 13 of the 27 Holy Spirit-inspired books of the New Testament. Small portion of the New Testament. He was raised in a Jewish church. He studied under one of the most prolific Jewish theologians of the day. You can read about that in Acts 22. He had so much zeal that when he was named Saul, he persecuted the church before he was saved, before he believed in Jesus. That's how passionate he was. That's Philippians 3.6. He was personally responsible for hundreds of churches that planted hundreds of churches that planted hundreds of churches. He's the grandfather of church planting. This guy named Paul. He personally led thousands of people to Christ, including royalty and people from the emperor's household. And I think when we get to heaven, that story is going to get even cooler. He's been the avenue of hundreds of miracles. And he has been saved many times by the hand of God. His life was preserved miraculously. 
And he's seen untold number of visions where Jesus Christ speaks to him personally. He gave his life for the transformational gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd say that he knows better than most what would separate us from God's love. And if he says something, or if he says nothing can separate us, then I'm going to pay attention to it. And he just didn't rattle that line off. It wasn't like he was writing poetry and went, oh, that kind of rhymes, let's throw that in there. No, he thought about it. He prayed about it. And most importantly, the Spirit told him to say it. That's what inspiration means. Life can't separate us. Your life, whatever's going on with you, whatever could go on with you, cannot separate you from his love. Death can't even separate us from his love. Death, you're going to die, and he's going to keep on loving you. Whatever happens now, whatever happens in the future, no power. And just in case you got a loophole in there somewhere, he writes this line, nor anything in all of creation. Anything in all of creation. And I would say, we can't even separate ourselves from his love. Not even us. If we convince ourselves that we're unlovable, anybody convince yourself you're unlovable? I have, like, every other hour, right? Like, oh my gosh, if they find out about me, <laughs> right? Even if we convince ourselves that we have done something or maybe are doing something right now that is unforgivable. Even if we hate ourselves so much that we can't imagine why someone could care at all, let them alone that much for us. I know what it's like. And if I haven't been in your situation, I have sat with people who have cried in my office that are. Even that won't separate us from this mighty and perfect love. And the good news is, is that God's perfect love, his past, his present, and even the love that he has for you in the future was culminated. If he bottled that love, maybe a little mason jar, he'd write on the side of that mason jar, Jesus' blood paid for you. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the very same transformational gospel that Grace Chapel is still in the process of learning how to hold up high. We're still learning this. We haven't figured it out. So if you're new here and you're going, yeah, you guys say transformational, but that guy was a real jerk to me. Yeah, I know. We're trying. <laughs> it's a process. Hopefully that guy wasn't named Josh. This passage and many others in Scripture ensures that we are God's beloved and that we are going to stay that way. This is why it's so important that we know and we never, ever, ever forget the transformational gospel of Jesus reveals God's jealous love for you. That's it. If you ever wonder, if you ever screw up so bad and you go, there's just no way. Jesus knew 
and he died for you anyway. All the love that God could ever have or will ever have is revealed in the transformational gospel. And this is why it reveals his jealous love for you. So let me ask you a question. How do you feel about you this morning? I can tell you how you should feel. You should feel fought for. You should feel valued. You should feel loved. You should feel desired. You should feel capable. You should feel worthy. Because let me tell you, God's only son's blood is worth an awful lot. That's you. That's your value. And even if you haven't trusted in Jesus with your heart yet, do it today. If you need help with this, guys, I know this is anti-cultural and it's strange. And and what are we really talking about? Come see me. Come talk to me if you have any doubts. There is a lot of people in this church that can help you. Grab somebody you trust and talk to them about how to invite Jesus in your life. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, and this is like a crash course of your value, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, then not only should you feel fought for, valued, loved, desired, capable, and worthy, you should feel like a captive that was set free. And it doesn't matter if you were set free 60 years ago or six seconds ago, that's how you should feel. You should feel like a son that was just adopted. Have you seen the video and pictures of people, what happens to them when they're adopted for the first time and they're, they're old enough to understand it? They come apart. They don't know what to do. They're hugging this dude with a big robe. I don't know what he had to do with it, but I'm hugging and I'm crying and I don't know what to do. Because someone said, I love you enough to adopt you. That's how we feel or how we should feel. You should feel like a daughter that was just pulled out of slavery into a life as royalty. You have been brought into the best, the weirdest And I I stress weird, people. It's weird. The happiest family ever, even though sometimes we act like a bunch of caterpillars. If you don't know, if you're not convinced this whole gospel thing isn't that big of a deal, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus at a VBS camp when I was six years old, and you know, I just kind of live my life, and kind of here in church, and I don't really really know about this whole gospel thing and how big of a deal it is. And you go, and it kind of proves it because I don't feel the way Josh is saying I should feel. I don't feel that way. I know I'm saved, and I woke up this morning feeling pretty, pretty crummy about myself, honestly. To you, I would say, welcome. <laughs> Jump on in. The water's warm. That's how I feel. In fact, if you're really honest, you might even as a Christian feel more crummy about yourself and your worth than you do about all these good things. There's a simple reason for that. A simple reason for that. It's because we forget. Guys, I'm a pastor. I get up early in the morning and I show up here and I work and I think about this stuff a lot and I forget every day. I forget what he's done. It is difficult to remember something this profound. I know that sounds weird. 
We forget that the transformational gospel of Jesus is for us. Because we have sin in our life. And it confuses and frustrates us. It hinders us from thinking clearly. and makes us think we're a caterpillar again. And it makes sometimes, it makes us rip off our wings. I know I'm going too far with the analogy. Just bear with me. Maybe the sin is something, a, is a big secret you have in your life. And you just, you can't tell a soul. Because you don't know what it's going to do to your life. It's going to unravel your marriage. It's going to make your kids hate you. It's going to make your, your parents think less of you. All those things. That's how big the secret is you have. I get it. I get it. He still died for you. Maybe the sin is just thinking that you're an expert who deserves to be free. Maybe that's the sin. Maybe the sin is just our desire to control everything and not trust God with the stuff that he wants to control. God loves you, and he'll show you. If you're serious about getting this junk out of your life so you, you can have a better grasp of how he feels about you, you're serious about that, Ask the one guy who can help you. God, he'll show you. Even if you've got such big blinders on, you think you're God's gift. You say, Lord, show me. And he's going to very graciously, very kindly pull back the blinders. And you're going to see the real thing that God died for. And it's not going to make sense because it looks really bad. God will walk with you on how to remove it. We need to be reminded of this. Maybe I need to give more of these sermons so that we all remember together what we're worth. We need to get to a place in our lives in this community where we're rubbing shoulders with people who look us in the eye and say, you are a horrible person and God loves you so much. We need that honesty, don't we? I'd just like it if somebody would tell me I'm not an expert. Don't worry, a lot of people tell me I'm not an expert. It's okay. How do we remind ourselves of this? His jealous love for us. How do we believe and regularly remind ourselves that we are worthy, not because of something we've done or even something we're going to do, but because of what he's done? That's why we're worthy. How do we remind ourselves that? How do we remind ourselves that we are the apple of his eye? That he thinks we are so precious that he would do anything to be with us. How we're supposed to be what we're made for. Well, the good news is the gospel is the news that sin has no control over you anymore. Now, it can, it can twist it and it can lie to you and it can trick you into thinking it has control over you. But Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit prove that it doesn't. So now what? What do we do now? How in the world would I wrap something like this up into three little points for you to go out here and go do? I don't want to make fun of my future sermons. Now what? How do you tell a butterfly to remember to flap its wings? Just rest. Just rest. Just breathe. Just remember who he is and what he's done for you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, just fly. That's all. 
That's all I got for you. If I see you, I'll grab you by the shoulders and tell you God loves you. Even the people that I have a hard time loving, do what comes naturally. Be the creation he made you to be. Pray with me. Jesus. Lord, this kind of love is so deep that we really don't have the capacity to understand it. All we know is we make really bad choices a lot. And for some weird, twisted reason, we think we're all that. God, thank you for knowing who we really are. Thank you for not buying the facade that we throw up, especially at church. Somebody says, how you doing, Josh? And I go, I'm fine, fine. But inside, I'm dying. God, thank you for loving that guy. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for dying for us. And thank you for being excited to be reunited with us when you come back. We cannot wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In your name, amen.